Hello. Hello. This is so successful. Okay. <laughs> um, hi. Okay. So Flo, Hebron, have you guys met? No. No. Oh, okay. Well, Flo, this is Hebron. Hebron, this is Flo. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. So um, I was basically telling her all the things I usually forget before recording. So like getting water and going to the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, um, I guess we can get started. Cool. Okay. Okay. So I'm Kia. And I'm Florence. And this is Melanin in Madison. Woo! You guys probably thought we um for lack of better terms, um I don't know, hit under a rock. Um, but we did not. Uh we were just surviving med school, um, which was, was quite the experience still. So yeah, we have a guest, um, as you guys probably heard. So if you want to give a little spiel about yourself, we'll dig into your business. But Hey, everyone. I'm Hebron. Um, I also am a medical student at the University of Kansas, um, taking some time off between third and fourth year to pursue my MPH. Um, and I'm just really excited to get digging into what I've been doing and what I want to tell you guys about what my experiences were and what I think would be some suggestions moving forward. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you for being on our show. We're so excited to hear about your, I guess, journey. Yeah. So we've never really met Hebron. We've talked to her. I've, she's talked to us online probably since like November of last year. So I feel like I've like not only made you my med school goals, but um, yeah, like, you know, you've, you've, talk to us pretty frequently so I feel like I get a good understanding of like who you are but we've never physically met isn't that crazy guys so um if we, if we ask some questions and you guys are like shouldn't you know this already um we probably don't so uh, it's gonna be very very conversational um usually we do so when we have like a um guest we have them do like a quote that they live by or or a mantra or something like that so do you have anything I do so this is something I've been, I would say, living by since I found it online maybe like a few years ago, maybe like first or second year of medical school. Mm-hmm. And it's a quote by Muhammad Ali. And it's the quote goes, service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. And I think it just speaks really to we do exist in this world. And it's not to say we're supposed to be, I don't believe personally people are like on here to like just be productive people who like work and do nothing else. But I think just giving service to others in whatever way we can and are capable of is just so meaningful, not only to like our growth, but just for our communities. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really good. I really like that. And it's so like, it's so personal, but it's so nice that it's not from someone in medicine, like not the only people that think about, you know, service and like exactly the well-being of the masses is like just medical people. That's really awesome. Um, Flo, you got anything? Yeah, I was gonna say, and also that kind of shows that like, I feel like um, a lot of people forget that like, when you are establishing a career in medicine, like you also have like other goals too. And I think it's really awesome how you can like tie in like your passion for medicine with like community service and giving back to people as well. Yeah. Um. So with that, we usually do um, an interview question since it's the end of interview season. Um, I didn't really scrape anything up. And I also feel like with the current state of the nation, uh, nobody's really doing any social contact, but <laughs> never a bad time to practice. So do you have any interview questions, Hebron, that you've gotten in the past that kind of stumped you or a question that you really nailed or anything like that? Or, like, any memorable um, interview experiences that you had? Um, I would say some questions that really stump me the most, which I feel like probably stump a lot of people, is any question in which they're asking you to say something about yourself that's positive, but you have to say it in a way where you're not bragging. So it's almost like how to present something that you've done or something that you're passionate about 
without coming off as like, look at me, I'm the best, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Just kind of answering things in a more humble manner. Mm-hmm. Would an example of that be like the question, like, why should we pick you to be at our school? Like yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that's always one where I'm like, um. <laughs> it's like, clearly I'm awesome, but let me tell you why. Yeah. And it's almost sometimes hard to like narrow in on finding one thing or maybe maximum two or three things that you would feel like are good answers. So mm-hmm. I've always thought to, before going to interview, think about some things that you're super passionate about or that's something that you've done that you're really proud of. Mm-hmm. And then keep those in the back of your mind because I feel like when this question comes up, you're really stumped if you haven't thought about it before. Mm-hmm. And then further, you're just like stumbling through it and being like, "Am I? Am I bragging? Am I? Am I answering this right?" Mm-hmm. So the, I just remember, like for me, because interview season was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. But as I prepare to interview again, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's something um, you have to keep in mind. That is really hard. Yeah, I, would, I always struggle with those. And really, I just have to, like, I think I talk about, like, experiences I've had with others where, like, other people kind of comment on, like, you know what I mean? Like, the positives. That way it's not, like, just me saying, oh, I'm really good yeah. at this. It's, like, I was told that this was a really good way I handled it or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's a really great way. Yeah, for sure. And I was going to say, that's also like a question too, to either like practice with other people or maybe like practice looking at yourself in the mirror. Cause I feel like the connotation behind what you're trying to say, like is also like depicted through like your body language or your facial features. So something that you might not have meant to be like cocky or braggy might just appear that way, depending on like your facial features and stuff like that. So that's like something to be cognizant about questions Mm -hmm. like that, I think. Mm -hmm. um solid that was a really good question so we do have a Mahoney message so uh, I don't know if you I don't want to put you on the spot and be like have you listened but um let me know if I'm repeating myself and things you know already but um we have Mahoney messages which is basically um when people send us emails and then we either respond to the show or via email so um I knew we would be having you on here so I kind of delayed this email I feel really bad because it's been like a month but (laughs) I was like this would be great for somebody who got their master's so um okay we need a someone give me a name um Bonnie Bonnie Mm, yeah that's my (laughs) I like that I like that okay so Bonnie says hey ladies First off, I would like to say thank you for starting this podcast. Please don't stop. Sorry, we failed you, girl, but we we really not trying to stop. Um, you guys are motivated me so much more than you know. Oh, thank you. So I need advice about which post-bac program to go with. I want to go to medical school, and I know that my GPA isn't very competitive at the moment. I was thinking about getting a master's in medical science. Any advice, I'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Bonnie. Okay. Okay. So Bonnie is considering whether to pursue a master's or a straight post-bac program. Is that kind of the gist? Kind of, yeah. yeah. And, or both. Because I or think both. it's possible to get both in some programs, but mm-hmm. you, you got to front the time and the money. So Yeah. yeah. Well, I would say, um, I think, first of all, post-bac programs are great. I think they're a great way to prove to medical schools that, you know, maybe if your GPA hasn't been where you want it to be in the past, that you're capable of doing essentially graduate level work mm-hmm. and succeeding in it. So I think if the goal within itself is just to prove that, I think doing a post program or, for example, a master's of science, which I think preps you well for at least like the biochemistry and, you know, all that like basic science stuff that you all have been doing this year. Mm -hmm. Um, but anything aside from that, because I also know people have gone into and pursued masters in public health, um, or they pursued an MBA, which is a master's in business administration. Mm -hmm. I think if you're interested in looking at those, definitely taking the time to see if that's something you're actually interested in, Mm -hmm. because the worst thing is like getting into a program and then being like, oh, this is not what I 
was trying to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's and a lot can, of money to... Yeah, they're expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think if the goal is to raise the GPA and prove that you can, let's say, tackle science courses better than you have in the past, I think doing a master's of science or post-bac more like that would be helpful. But if you want to are interested in public health or business administration or health management, then getting those skills will be amazing for you in your future. But I can't necessarily say it would show that you can succeed in science classes because a lot of those masters are not necessarily like Mm -hmm. science-based, if you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Yeah, I would definitely say it's it's safer for you to go the post-bac route and then even if you can find a post-bac, like my inclu- my post-bac program included, you had a master's component, but you had to be selected to get the master's. So mm. if that's something you would be interested in, I would definitely say like, look for post-bac programs that include a master's, but I wouldn't dive too deep into a master's and then miss out on the other components that can get you into medical school. Yeah. And I think some post-bac programs, they have there's a lot of those programs that have your ability to enter medical school through those programs. Mm-hmm. And those aren't available in like other types of masters. So if your goal is medical school, I say focus all your efforts on getting in now. And if you want to expand on masters later, um, like we'll talk about today, yeah. you can expand on those later as well. You're not limited. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I really do think too, a lot of people don't know that you can get your masters while in medical school. Definitely. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. to add on to both of what they said, make like make sure you look at your GPA too. Um, kind of like what Hebron said, because if if your GPA isn't like lower, I wouldn't personally do a post back if um if your GPA is fine because it would it, one it'll be a waste of like money and time because it won't add anything to your application. So if like a, if you're looking more post back route, I would like focus on like your GPA and if it's going to mm-hmm. boost your application versus doing it and then realizing it didn't really help your application. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. Yeah. Solid. Well, that is good. I was really, okay, Bonnie, I hope you still listen to us. <laughs> I was really worried. Cause like, I've been looking at that message and I was like, shucks, like, I know we we're going to have an answer for this. So um, this is my way of making it up. We just made a whole episode about that. Um, okay. So did I miss anything flow? Any of our segments? Oh no, you did good. Solid. Okay, let's dive into our guest and everything about Hebron. So um, give us a little background story if you'd like. Okay, so originally I'm from Ethiopia, and then we immigrated to the U.S. um, when I was a child. Um, We were resettled into Kansas, Mm -hmm. which was very different. than my experiences in Ethiopia, mm-hmm. um, both just geography, like in terms of geography, in terms of the people around you, straight up language. I didn't speak English when we came here. Oh and God. so it was quite a learning curve. And how old were you? I was about seven. Oh, man. Oh, okay. Yeah. Seven to eight. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was huge mm-hmm. shifting in that manner. Um I think it would might have been a little bit easier if I had a little bit of understanding of the language. But since I didn't, I think that was like a lot of it where everyone just sounds like they're not talking <laughs> anything you'd understand mm-hmm. when we first moved here. Um, but we had a pretty good Ethiopian community in Kansas. Um, I listened to your episode with Loza. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. I did. Yeah. I know her. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> so she was part of that community. <laughs> yeah, Lozen Kansas. did mention. She was like, I know Hebron. And I was like, oh, man, we should have had you on here, too. And so I think that really helped um, just our, like, acclimation to the United States. Um, and then from there on, I just kind of went to school in Kansas for both, like, middle school, high school, um, and not, like, too rural Kansas. It was in Johnson County. Um, <laughs> So let me let me clear that out. <laughs> the city of Kansas. Yeah, this yeah, I was like still near Kansas City. Um and then from then on, um, do you want me to go into like where I went to undergrad and all of that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um yeah. And so when I was in high school, I was like really interested in wanting to do something in healthcare. Um, but at that time I only thought like what healthcare consisted of was nurses or doctors. 
And so with the support of my very immigrant African parents, okay. they were like, <laughs> so you'll be a doctor. <laughs> if there's two options, you're going to be the doctor. <laughs> exactly. And so then I ended up pursuing pre-med. So I ended up going to KU for my undergrad mm-hmm. um, just because I felt like it was close to home. It was easy. And I had had friends and family members who'd gone there before and they've enjoyed their experiences. And when I got there, I feel like you're pushed into a box when you pursue Mm -hmm. Mm pre-med. I'm sure you've all felt like that where you have to study something there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In like biology or chemistry. And I really wanted to pursue economics. Mm -hmm. And the one great thing... I feel like I got out of it is in college, I was able to pursue both. So I did economics and biochemistry. Oh, wow. was a trip. (laughs) But I do think that it really allowed me to have like a diverse set of backgrounds when moving into just medicine alone, Mm -hmm. which that's something I would definitely recommend for people is like, you don't have to just study biology. Mm -hmm. There are so many people with so many different degrees that I went to med school with. That I was like, oh, so you just did the pre-med requirements and you're here, but you right. got to study like, what you wanted. And so um, I ended up there studying that. It was really great. I, I honestly really enjoyed my time um, up until junior year where I had to start studying for the MCAT mm-hmm. <laughs> and applying to med schools. I, I essentially followed in the traditional path where I did all of that during my junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, I tackled the MCAT with, I think, a prep course. I don't have you guys heard of Altius? Yeah, oh, it's yeah. aggressive. We have. Yeah, it was aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think it yes. was worth it? I I would say I think it kept me on track in terms of like, oh, I have to meet with this tutor on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to do this. But I also felt like it was a lot to do while you were in school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And trying to keep your grades up. It was a very stressful junior year, personally. Oh, mm-hmm. Just trying to do both of those and keep your grades up. Um, and then that summer, I decided to do a summer research program all the way across the country. Mm-hmm. And so it was like studying for the MCAT and doing that research and applying. Yeah, that is stressful. That is oh, because you applied. So I guess you applied before you got your MCAT score correct oh wow mm-hmm. okay I applied in Ju- June like sent all my application stuff in took my MCAT in July mm-hmm. and then was just like waiting oh <laughs> gosh that. yeah stressful. it was very stressful <sighs> um but despite not sleeping much I'm like glad I gave I made it through that time and I wish I had more to say about my MCAT prep and MCAT times, but mm-hmm. we were also that first group that took the new MCAT. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Wow. So no schools really knew how to go about it. Yeah. In terms of how to like look at it since we didn't have any um, information out yet, but mm-hmm. I just, I feel like I blocked that out to be honest. I'm sure. Well, that's good. <laughs> that means it, went, it went well. Yeah. And so that all passed. I ended up choosing KU for medical school. Because, mm-hmm. first of all, I felt like it offered me everything I wanted at the fraction of a cost, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure you know from your application processes and finding out how much med school costs. Absolutely. Um, and what was really great was having gone to KU for undergrad and then KU for medical school, with them taking so many from Kansas, I was able to matriculate into medical school with, like, a solid group of my friends from undergrad. Oh, that's oh, good. that's nice. Yeah, so I think that really helped my experiences when I got to medical school because I already felt like I had some people in my corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is good. Having a support system is, like, very vital Yeah. medical school. Yeah, I felt like that was huge for me. Um, and since then, I feel like looking back on it, like, I went a traditional route, but at times I do wonder how it would have been if I had taken some time off. Mm-hmm. And I do think in retrospect, it's ve- I got very burnt out, at least by second year of medical mm-hmm. school. Okay. Going the traditional route. Just mm-hmm. because you just don't have any other life experiences. 
Mm-hmm. And all you know is school. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. That's definitely and true. Compared to some of my other classmates who like traveled or like did like Peace Corps, like AmeriCorps, did all these other things. I felt like when they came back to medicine, they were like, you know, in it. They were like, I've done this. I've done mm-hmm. that. This is really what I want to do right now going forward. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my path and how I got into medicine. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. I feel like we have very few like episodes with traditional route students. Yes, definitely. Um, so tell us about your time in medical school, I guess. So like, how has that been? How has that experience been? Medical school for me has been trying to deal with all the downs of it with making sure I'm like experiencing things and putting myself in places that like make me happy mm-hmm. and I enjoy being in. Um, I would say that um, during my medical education, um, I was really surrounded by a great group of friends that were also interested in things like social justice and mm-hmm. um, just how can we make our education better? How can we make our students better at serving like the communities we're in? Mm-hmm. And so I took, so first semester, I took a back seat of medical school. Mm-hmm. I was like, let me get these grades. Let me figure out what's going on. Right. In here, um, which was such a big curve. And we were on a previous curriculum where we took tests every four to five weeks. Mm-hmm. So we would have all that material build up. And then you took a test. Mm-hmm. So very different than like a lot of the curriculums now, which are like tests about every other week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's us. Yeah. yeah. And so that was definitely, um, it took a lot of your own time management to yeah. do well in that setting. Because mm-hmm. when you don't have a test for five weeks, let me tell you, <laughs> Is that you put a lot off. <laughs> oh, gosh. And then a lot can like come back <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, towards those last few weeks. Um, but during medical school, um, after the first semester where I just, would like do volunteering and try to network and see what the M2s to M4s were doing um, just to see what I wanted, what I wanted to make of my actual experience. Um, Mm -hmm. I tried to get involved in different groups and programs that meant a lot to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I do have to say, looking back the end of M1 year to M3 year, I feel like I did spread myself pretty thin Mm -hmm. in what I was involved in, but I don't regret it per se. Um, just because I think they were valuable experiences. Some of the highlights mm-hmm. I really enjoyed were um, I participated in Student Diversity Council. Hey, I'm yeah. in that. <laughs> yeah, and so I really loved that. Um, I love my executive board there. Um, I was also the director of mental health at Bulldog Clinic. Oh, okay. that's great. Yeah, and so I really loved my time there. Um, I also did um, Partners in Global Health and... Um, I, back when I thought I was going to be an infectious disease specialist, mm-hmm. was uh, mm-hmm. president of the internal medicine student interest group. Things have well, changed. Well, that's good. <laughs> it sounds like you so, did a lot of like a, a wide range of things. Yes. So it's not like the same thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps you just like not get bogged down on like mm-hmm. trying to focus on one thing. And I did things that I thought would be valuable to me, not just like this is a resume builder. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I I think that's huge. I think you get really told like you need to do this and this. You need to be the president of this and that, specifically geared towards residency applications. But mm-hmm. doing things that you just like enjoy and are, like are happy to be doing, I think, are mm-hmm. a lot more meaningful for your experience in med school. Um, but a lot of those different um, groups I was a part of, we did a lot of great things that I like. Am really. Um, excited about um, I don't know if you guys heard about changing like wall society's name to the Kate society yeah 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 that was something that I was a part of and I'm really I oh wow still really value yeah um, with the um, with the student diversity council um, mm-hmm. and then I was able to like learn cool skills like I was able to learn how to um, do grant writing when I was oh, awesome. a director of bulldog yeah. and so just kind of things that not at that time I thought were like these are super important or like Mm -hmm. these are super these are things that I thought was gonna like aha this is gonna be what's gonna get me into residency but just things that I was like 
I'm really happy I'm doing this for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's building a lot moving yeah. forward when I um, wanted to go into my master's program, which at that point I didn't know I wanted to do. But these were all things that in the end ended up helping me get there. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Do you guys can, should we explain like the wall to Kate's transition? Cause our listeners might not. um, Yeah, that is. Yeah, we definitely can. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I personally, so in our school, um, we have different societies that people are placed into. It's kind of like Harry Potter in terms of like which schools you're a part of. Um, and then your society just kind of does different activities and um, hosts different speakers. And um, you have advisors within that um, society that help you out. Um, and so one of the society's names was Wall Society. That was a dean that we had, I believe, in the 1970s, I want to say. Um, and during that time, this dean would allow African-American students to attend the first two years of medical school. But then after the first two years, they would be um, unable to continue their clinical aspect of their medical school education because of the basis that black students were not allowed to um, treat white patients. And so they would be told you have to leave the school and go somewhere else that does allow that, which and back then it was like Howard and like Mm -hmm. essentially um, historically black colleges. Um, that had medical schools out of them so when we found that out which actually had been brought up numerous times over the last several years Mm -hmm. we really wanted to ensure that you know if we had societies named after people it'd be societies that people would want to be in Mm -hmm. and when we look at our deans and our history we need to be critical of it and we can't go by the oh it was like during that time it was okay because it is okay yeah, right. Yeah. And I know you two know when you look around, there's not a lot of generational black students that come from yeah. families with physicians because yeah. not so long ago they weren't allowed to finish their education in Kansas and you're more likely wherever you finish your education to end up. So if they had to leave, that's where they would end up. So mm-hmm. um I think it had a lot of generational impacts and um the student diversity council um, as well as those involved in the wall society um, really wanted this to change. Um, mm. And so it took some um, administrative push and it definitely took time and a lot of forums and town halls that we had, but we were able to change the name from wall society um, into changing it to the Kate society, which was actually the first African-American woman to get a medical degree from the university of Kansas medical school. That is yeah, like that's, beautiful. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And you guys, I mean, that's really huge as far as just like your passion behind it, your reasoning. Mm-hmm. Um, and just I think that really helps to make your medical school journey very unique. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think so, too. And I think a huge aspect of it is although we change it to Kate Society, it's really important. We still talk about why we did the change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. agree. It's so easy to like forget and move on and say like oh look where we're at now but I think like making sure we let students even in the years to come who join the society know the history of the name change is like so important and just you know always making sure we're checking ourselves yeah that and like the the fact that students had to be um, courageous and confident in their ability to go to administrative people and say like hey, this is wrong and it should be changed. Yeah. Exactly. And I it, think yeah. like for those people who are applying to medical school right now, that's something I think it's like our school does a really good job of is listening to students, getting feedback and making things like that happen. Because I, I know at some medical schools, like they're not as receptive to listen. So if that's something like you're passionate about and like instrumental and like wanting to make change, it's something you should look at like when you're going to schools or talk to students about um how schools go about doing certain things like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And it's not to say that it was easy or like mm-hmm. not scary. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, It was all of those things. Um, but I do think you have a lot of power in being a student mm-hmm. and in gathering the voices of other students who feel the same and faculty mm-hmm. and bringing those voices together, especially in those town halls, I think showed administration like, wow, this is something like a large group of people want 
to be changed. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you talk a little bit about, sorry if I'm having you talk a bunch, just let me know and I can, we can talk about other stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, talk a little bit about your master's program and how that kind of came about um, and then kind of how you got the opportunity and followed through with it. So um, when looking back, I think if I had known what public health was in high school, that plus medicine would have been what I pursued from the beginning. Because Mm -hmm. now looking back, I now know there are so many different opportunities for when people can apply with for an MD and an MPH, Mm -hmm. which is a master's in public health from Mm -hmm. the onset. So if you're interested in pursuing public health, you don't necessarily have to wait until the third year after the third year or after the second year, you can Mm -hmm. actually apply to programs that have both. Yeah. From the very beginning. So that's just like a disclaimer I want to input in there. Um, But for me, really, it just came about, um, they're considered, I don't know if they're still considered the fluff lectures. It's kind of like the lectures on like um, the different social determinants of health and Mm -hmm. the different lectures on um, maybe not specifically like medicine, like you're not learning about like the lung, but it talks Mm -hmm. about like everything else that can be incorporated in medicine. It's usually taught by those who do have public health degrees, whether they're an MD or just a public health professional. And Mm -hmm. we had those lectures that would be like sporadic in our uh, medical education with the lectures, but I just Mm -hmm. felt like it just wasn't emphasized enough in our education, but it gave me just like a little bit of a taste to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it wasn't really until I started working at the Bulldog Clinic um, and working with uh, Dr. LeMaster from the Department of Family Medicine. I don't know if you guys have ever interacted with him yeah he's my one of my society directors yeah he's super great he has an md mph and i started kind of started talking to him about what my interests are and like what i thought we could do to like better the bulldog um, mental health clinic mm-hmm. and he was like have you ever considered an mph and i first was like i can't add anything else to this like let me just finish right <laughs> let me get this md and go Mm-hmm. Um, because in my head, I thought it would like take years, whatnot. And then I started looking into it from then. Um, and then between my second, first and second year of medical school, um, mm-hmm. I actually did not want to do any bench research in mm-hmm. terms of like bench work or like, I was like, I can't pick up another pipette. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Understandable. And, <laughs> and so I ended up looking for different opportunities. And so I ended up going to Atlanta and working with a reproductive justice organization. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And I spent my summer um, that year drafting policy um, to increase healthcare access to the transgender population. Oh, this uh, is great. Yeah, it was great. And then aside with that, it allowed me to um, work within that reproductive justice organization, um, working on increasing family planning and abortion care in Georgia. And so wow. I was like, whoa. Like, I didn't even know this was something I could incorporate um, Mm -hmm. into my education. And that's when I started really being interested in, like, health policy. And then during my third year of medical school, like, right after I took step one, um, I started um, working with the Kansas Correctional Department, um, Mm -hmm. working with male prisoners at the Lansing Prison. Really? Yeah, in Lansing, Kansas. Oh, that is awesome. And so that's when I think a combination of all of these experiences is when I was like really recognizing the like huge gaps we have in providing care and adequate mm-hmm. health care mm-hmm. to different populations, whether that was like the LGBTQ, whether that was women who were impoverished and didn't have access to family planning, or that was uh, prisoners who are legally mandated to get care. Um, by the prison but are not getting like the best care Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so I was like okay I think I'm like really into this like health policy thing let me look further into these MPH programs and so during my surgery and internal medicine rotations um, I began filling out SOFAS it's like the same thing it's like an exactly like applying to medical school so I'm filling out all of that writing a personal statement for each school 
mm-hmm. doing all that during my surgery and internal medicine rotations, which was not easy. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. because you're on rotations all day, then you're expected to come back and study for your shelf exams and you're tired. Yeah, but I was like, this is really what I want to do. I was really deliberate about which schools I focused on applying to. I wanted to go to like a top health policy program. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to do it in a state that had expanded Medicaid. Sorry, Kansas, but that ain't you. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, is that, they did that now? Did they just do that? Uh, they're still I'm working still on it. About it yeah. yeah, they're talking about it. But at that point, it hadn't. True. Um, <laughs> just because I wanted to go somewhere that had accomplished it, just so I can like learn how they went about it and then possibly like bring those aspects back. Absolutely, yeah. I have, I have a question. Is this SOFAS, is that just for medical students or is that anyone applying to like any MPH program? It's anyone applying to public health. It's like okay. the something, something, public health, something application. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like S-O-P-H-A-S. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can apply to all of the different um, public health schools uh, through that application. Um, and so with looking at those programs, looking at to which schools had what I wanted out of them, and I really wanted the opportunity to take classes at different pro, uh, different schools, um, mm-hmm. such as like the law school or a business school um, incorporated with their public health school. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, um, the most important who gave me the most money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah that is a good absolutely. that is a good factor. Because what people don't tell you is a one-year MPH program on the East Coast can cost you a hundred thousand dollars. Wow! Jesus. Yeah, tuition's about seventy thousand. So that's basically like med school. Yeah, that's two. like two years. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy of a state school. And so, in the after applying everything, sending out applications, applying for scholarships, um, at the in the spring of my third year. Um, I ended up accepting an offer and dropping my fourth year schedule, which I had already made. Cause when you don't, you have to like fill that out before you even know anything. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up pursuing my, um, planning on pursuing my MPH at the Harvard Chan school of public health. Oh, that is incredible. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. I did my research and I was like, the girl went to Harvard. She has to be on here. <laughs> <laughs> and so to me, like it was sad to leave my friends and like, mm-hmm not have my graduating class anymore just because you really do build a bond and I always imagine like popping the champagne with that group of people but I do think like pursuing the MPH has like opened up a lot of different doors and has allowed me to do an entire year focused on something separate from medicine Mm -hmm. which I've really tried to like lean into Mm -hmm. um and I do have to say, for people who are interested, you can also do your MPH after your second year. Mm-hmm. So you have the choice of doing it after your second year or after your third year. And it's a one-year program if you've done that. So was there any reasoning for why you did it after third year? Like, did you, looking back on it, would you have done it after second year if you'd known? So for me personally, looking back on my experiences, I think after second year is a really tough time to do it because Mm -hmm. you just took step one and then you have like the vast amount of your medical knowledge, which is really great if you can just go to clinicals and use Mm -hmm. it. But if you take time off in between, let me tell you, you lose so much. Wow. (laughs) Are you nervous about that? Like going back into fourth year? I'm not too nervous about it just because first of all, um, when you do go back to fourth year, it's like just almost you spend like the first three months or whatever focused on your field of interest. So for me, mm-hmm. it's OBGYN okay. and that's what I want to pursue. And so I think it's pretty specialized enough and I got a lot of exposure and I'm still working on research that's related okay. to that field. So I'm not too nervous. I'm more nervous about like the other random ones I have to do. <laughs> <laughs> But, that'll fall into place yeah but that will come when it comes and I'll, yeah. you know we've all studied we're just gonna have to study again yeah when that time comes around and so I'm not too nervous but I do think doing it after my third year also gives you kind of a better understanding of how clinical medicine works mm-hmm. so when you're working on your thesis project for your MPH program 
you know medicine better because you've done clinical years. Okay. And in a way, you're less scared because you've already done all of your board exams. Like, I've already taken step one, step two CS, and step two CK. Okay. That is good, yeah. So, you, in your head, you're just thinking, I'm coming back, and I'm just doing my rotations for my interest of specialty, as well as, like, my ICU and whatever is left over, and applying Mm -hmm. to residency. You're not thinking, like, I got to go back, be in these clinical settings in all of these different subjects and take two more board exams. Okay. So you definitely just sold doing a master's after third year. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be the best. And a lot of the schools I applied to required you to have done three years. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they required a clinical year under your belt prior to moving on. Um, And so that's, that's how I think about after second or after third year, but Mm -hmm. it's all about preference. And do you feel like you got more out of, because I think our school offers an MPH, do they? Yeah, they do. They do. So do you feel like, do they pay students to do it at our school? I think they do have a scholarship to do it out of KU. Were you able to receive more competitive funding or like a full, you know what I mean? Like, was there a financial sacrifice made in going away? There for me, um, I ended up, so all of the schools I applied to were out of state mm-hmm. for my MPH program. I applied to four schools and they were out of state. Um, but I also tried to apply to schools that had large endowments mm-hmm. or large, I don't know, what I assumed would be financial aid packages. Okay. And so um, for me personally, I was able to get um, full ride where I went oh well that's great so that was a huge part of it for me I was like who's got the money absolutely (laughs) yeah because let me tell you living in Boston is not cheap oh man my rent makes me cry when I think about oh oh, man and so were you you able to get that included as well or were you responsible for that yeah so it was covered and when I thought about even like where I wanted to go I also looked at cost of living beforehand Mm -hmm. so like Mm -hmm. there was like an entire excel sheet (laughs) oh man I'm sure money because you know we're already like losing so much money absolutely from just your four years of medical education that if I wanted to do an additional year I wanted to make sure it was worth it and that it was a financial decision that was like appropriate Mm -hmm. because the debt just keeps you know adding you know, it does not go down. It does not go that. down. <laughs> and so that that's how I went about it. I know for people, like, it, they can have a lot of different uh, motivating factors for when pursuing masters or where they'd like to pursue it. And I also wanted to pursue mine because not only was it a top health policy um, program, but it also had, it was really close in terms of, um, like, Washington, D.C., which has mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, we have a lot of um, professors who are, who have worked within um, different White House administrations mm-hmm. and have like worked closely with policy, not only on a state level, but on a national level. And so I wanted to like be in the same network as those type of physicians and those type of um, public health professionals. I'm not going to lie. You are selling this so well. I'm like <laughs> absolutely Googling this like, right now. <laughs> this is so interesting. So when you and, talk about like masters in public health, it doesn't, did you like, was yours just policy focused? Cause public health is just such a broad range. So mm-hmm. did you just pick one that was just more policy focused or is that just something you mostly like, is that the classes like just you mostly took out of your program? So that's a great question. Um, masters in public health is so broad. You can Mm. choose concentrations in several things. So you can choose a concentration in health policy. You can choose a concentration on social and behavioral health. You can choose a concentration in global health. Um, What are some other ones? Um, There's also those in epidemiology. There's also that in biostats. So it's huge. Mm -hmm. And different schools do different concentrations better. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so that's one thing to take into consideration. Not, not to say that most public health schools aren't going to do a good job of like covering what you want, but 
you can definitely look up like if you're interested in global health, you can look up which schools are like the top in global health and then apply Mm -hmm. more so to those schools. My specific was just health policy. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I think coming back to medicine, I do feel like what I've learned there is going to be super helpful. Um, Just not maybe day to day, but now just coming back and having a better understanding of like Medicaid, Medicare, insurance Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is once you enter those clinical years, you start hearing about these terms more when people are like, oh, well, can they do that? It's like, oh, well, they can't. They don't have X, Y, Z. They're not covered by blank. And Mm -hmm. when I was in third year, I was like, huh? Like, (laughs) this is my plan. (laughs) Right. And then you'd find out your plan wasn't going to work because they couldn't afford whatever, you know, up to date said was the best thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a better understanding of this system and how it works, it allows you to almost in a way, like, look into that first before making up plans that might not be feasible. Okay. That's an extra plug. That is, yeah, that is, I'm, I'm really struggling to see why not do this, honestly. Yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely say it's added to my experience in medicine. And I do think it will allow me to enter into different rooms and have a seat at the table of different conversations that I might have not had been able to have if I was just an MD. Right, right. And it seems like you've gotten a more holistic like view on medicine, if anything. Definitely. Definitely. That's really cool. Um, Flo, do you have any questions? Um I guess. Uh so what's like your transition looking like now? Like coming from your when's your program? I, I guess maybe like what's going on in the country's probably is going to skewed a little bit but what's that transition look like going from your master's to fourth year so up until last week (laughs) (laughs) where um we pretty much were like told not to come back to school Mm -hmm. at the end of our midterms and finals for our quarter classes um I left Boston for what I thought was going to be my spring break and came back home to Kansas. Mm -hmm. But now it's for an indefinite amount of time, um, especially with Boston being one of those states that has a lot of cases. And Mm -hmm. um, I feel like a shutting down quicker than Kansas is. Um, I'm planning on staying in Kansas at least for two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm going to finish my classes online for my final quarter. Mm -hmm. And then... um, I'm going to present my work uh, for my like practicum project that you have to do to complete your master's um, and then hopefully graduate in May. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll see how graduation is or if it's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'm planning on hopefully um, having a delayed honeymoon since I got married over winter break. Oh, well, congratulations. Thank you. That's another plug for an MPH year. We had a five week winter break. Oh, that I'm okay adding that to the pros Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we were able to like have a wedding and a celebration and like do all of that and planning a wedding during my MPH year was a lot easier than planning a wedding during the first part when I was in medical school for sure Mm -hmm. that's cool um I'm sorry I I was gonna ask a question but I feel like it was a dumb question I was gonna ask you to meet your significant other through masters but no that doesn't make sense no, I met him. Uh, we grew up together. And then um, we didn't start dating until he went to the military academy in West Point in New York mm-hmm. for college. And I went to KU. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So we've been long distance for four years. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, you know, with two people with two busy schedules, it's like worked. Mm-hmm. And it's been good. Um, and we're hopefully planning on being in the same place after they finished medical school. Oh, so, that's awesome. Yeah. So we'll see about this delayed honeymoon with this virus. Right. You that's know, gonna... it's, it's getting in the way of a lot of things uh, it going is. on right now. It is. Um, and then I'm planning on heading back to KU in July to start my final year. Um, heading back to do my 
sub-internships. I'm hoping to do some away rotations at different institutions mm-hmm. um, and then apply for OBGYN residency. Um, and then other than that, I plan on just doing some passion research and like legislative projects this upcoming year during my off time and just reading a lot of good books during the residency trail. I know that's right. Wow. That is incredible. You are absolutely med school goals. (laughs) So I guess one thing I have another question, how is like the communication at KU, like being so far away and having to like plan Mm -hmm. for your fourth year being in a whole different state? So they've been really great. Um, I do have to say that some schools are different. I do have some classmates at my public health program where you have to pay the school some amount of money to like hold your spot. Oh, Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. So that's been something I've noticed. But on my end, like KU has been great. They have been great from the start from when I said, hey, I'm taking a leave of absence. I think I just signed one document. Mm -hmm. And then... Other than that, they move you to the class below you in terms of email. So I get all the email communication that they would give to third years. Um, Mm -hmm. I still got to keep my email address. (laughs) Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. And then when I started coming back, I got all the emails that everyone else did. So I was able to like make my fourth year schedule, ask all the questions I wanted. And then I'm now filling papers back out to like return from my leave of absence. And Mm -hmm. so far, so great. Like I have no complaints. I think... KU does a great job at handling leave of absences and um, integrating students back in when they come back. That's awesome. And so when you do residency interviews, are there any things that you're like, I hope they don't ask about as far as like taking the leave of absence? Like, you know what I mean? Is there anything that can like look bad? I mean, you went to like an amazing school and you did amazing things. So I don't see anything looking bad, but. I don't think so. Um, what I've realized is there's definitely a um, difference in geography in terms of what students are doing in certain places in the U.S. For example, the Midwest traditionally does not take fifth years, but most oh. of the students that went to school on the West Coast and on the East Coast, most of their students, like maybe like almost like 60 percent or something, do a fifth year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some okay. Do you think that's, that's because of the there's more competition for residency spots in the Northeast than here? I think it's competition, but I also think it's just a difference of like mindset almost mm-hmm. where they're more so moving towards and a plan of like, hey, we should have students do an extra year of something, whether that's a master's or a research year, um, mm-hmm. just to complement their four years of medical school and add something else to it, which obviously ends up making you more competitive. For example, if you do a research year. Right. Um, But it's definitely something where for me, when I left, I felt like I was like one of a few who did it. And then I went up and met other students who went to different schools in like New York and um, California. And they were like, Oh, we're all doing fifth years. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's awesome. And so I think it won't take away from that. I'm hoping Um, something that's been brought up again and again is medical school and residency programs tend to take students from that region. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully doing this program in a different region of the U S has allowed me to break some barriers in terms of. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm sure like even doing away rotations, like in the same area is going to be like a breeze. Yeah. I think it'll be easier too. you just got used to living in a different area and moving at a different speed than Kansas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is definitely a bonus. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So we'll see. I'm excited to talk about it at my interviews. If I'm asked, Um, it was a very meaningful year for me. Oh, that's awesome. Um, So we would absolutely love to have you on for like an update session since you'll be in Kansas now. Yes, Um, that would be great. Tell you how fourth year is going. Hopefully this virus doesn't, impede <laughs> absolutely yeah on fourth year but honestly like I feel like the way residency programs are they're gonna find a way to hire people definitely definitely yeah. and you just have to sell I mean your resume I'm sure is quite listening so mm-hmm. it it will show its character I'm hoping <laughs> that they just want me 
<laughs> yeah, good, good hope. <laughs> um, so usually we do um, the hidden Jemison section, um, and usually it's around like it's usually about like um, summer programs and things like that. But this summer, I don't know if there's going to be many summer programs. Um, Hebron, would you kind of like to give an idea about um, timeline as far as like when to apply to MPH programs if anyone's interested? Yeah, definitely. Um, I do have to say, I would say that looking at what schools you want to apply to, you can do at any time. Mm-hmm. Getting an idea of their requirements and different programs, I would say start looking whenever you have the time or you are just like, hey, what's this program? Let me look into it. Um, in terms of application, I believe the applications on um, the SOFAS open up in September. Mm-hmm. Um, applications usually consist of personal statements. You got to do the same thing you did for med school where you type in every grade you got in every class you took in undergrad oh and medical school. Okay. So it can now, be a lengthy app. What about pass-fail? Like, is that... It's it's totally fine. Uh, most oh, of the okay. students I went to my program with, their schools had already gone to pass fail. Okay. So that's totally acceptable. You just put in all your grades, all the stuff for everything. Um, mm-hmm. You have some letters of rec, pretty much similar to previous applications. Um, and then most of them are due in December. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was like December of my third year. And then you start hearing back January through early March mm-hmm. and then you have about an, I think April from March to April they start sending out financial packages mm-hmm. um, and then you end up going through the process of like accepting your school and going to like admitted students day in April oh, and then okay. um, one thing that was a plug for my program specifically if anyone's looking at the Harvard Chan program is we didn't start until August, late August, almost early September. So mm-hmm. I took step two CS and CK in June. And I had free time in July and August. Oh, yeah. That is, that is before I started. Do so. you, um, oh, I was going to ask, do you think having grades from third year kind of helped um, as far as like selection and things like that as well? I don't know exactly about selection I definitely know there's obviously an aspect of it of merit Mm -hmm. um but I think third year helped the most in being able to write my personal statement and write about my experiences Mm -hmm. and you in a way were able to relate more to public health in a way with having a third year rather than not having a third year because you've been in the hospital Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, see it. You could speak more to it. Mm-hmm. Well, that is awesome. I don't have any more questions. Well, do you? No, I think you. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show and just giving us your journey. Yeah, thank you. This was like an incredible episode. I cannot wait to listen to this mm-hmm. while I'm on lockdown. Thank um, you so much for having me. Um, yeah, of course. Definitely reach out anytime or if you have anyone who does reach out and has any questions, I'm more than happy to answer them um, about this process. And I look forward to being back at KU and meeting you both in person. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And for anybody who's quarantined, um, feel free to email us. Um, I know a lot of people have talked about like just mental health concerns with um, social, what are the kids calling it? Social isolation or social distancing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Something like that. And um, yeah, so if there's any if there's any concerns you have or anything, you need to talk to someone. Flo and I are always looking at our computers and usually willing to procrastinate. So definitely hit us up. Um, and for all those who are doing quite fine, um, still hit us up because we love social communication. Yeah. Is that weird? That was weird. <laughs> Somebody help me. <laughs> so, um, Hebron, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I think that's all we got. Yes. All right. Okay. See y'all later.